millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. November 24th, 2020. Sardines. Gentlemen's Relish. D.B. Cooper, and, all about stock market circuit breakers. This, is, awesome, today. Awesome today is a daily show. Or, mostly daily. Except for when it isn't. It is about things, most of which are, awesome. Despite being barely edited and sometimes offensive, it could be the second best podcast ever. Hello. 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 Hello, young lady. Oh, nice. Trying to recover from getting gut punched from yesterday's greeting. I yes. was just trying to be nice, ma'am. Oh, no. Ha! You ruined it. Didn't I just? Yes. Today is what? Oh, I get to say it? You can say the, the date, but then shut up. <laughs> <laughs> That was hey. live producing, right? Yeah, there. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm so excited to tell all of you that today is November 24th. Shut it! <laughs> I didn't even get to say more. <laughs> I had to be a bully, I'm sorry. I know, you're compelled in it, your bullyhood. It's true. All right. Well, it is November 24th. Happy National Sardines Day. Happy National Sardines Day. Indeed. You would not be alone if when you hear the word sardines, your throat waters and you think, oh, that's gross. I have lived that life. Yeah, you've lived that lie. I have lived that lie. Because despite that being the common opinion, most people have actually never even tried them. Between the two of us, who's tried them? Both of us. What? I, I shared when you first began to gargle the praises of sardines, Weird. I told you about my fifth grade experience of oh, yeah, yeah, my yeah, buddy yeah, that yeah, brought yeah. sardines. Yes. Okay. I forgot. Please forgive me. I totally forgot about that. I was thinking of in our adulthoods, but it totally counts if you tried them when you were in the fifth grade. My, my mom would never buy them for me. Because she thought they stunk, and she had the icky response to them. Had she ever tried one? I doubt it. She okay. would insist she has because she's not wrong. Okay. But that's a whole different story. That's a whole nother podcast. Yeah. Well, sardines originally got their name from, guess where? I know where. Sardinia, the Mediterranean island. Mm -hmm. the, and that name itself is Grecian. It describes both that region that they come from as well as the color of oh, the fish. I had no idea. Which I did not know that. Um, I'd have to look further to, to validate that. I would assume this place wasn't lying, but I don't know. I didn't even ask them who they voted for for president. How could I trust them? I don't know. Don't, Does don't, that matter? Don't ask people that. I think it's great to ask Poor, people that. It's important. Some, you want to end a conversation, somebody won't stop talking, say, hey, by the way, who'd you vote for? 
<laughs> yeah. So the tremendously, trem it's, it's, they're, they're packed with nutrients. It is this fact as well as the mechanical efficiency in which they can be packed and shipped that established sardines century, centuries ago centuries. as a critically important trade item. Centuries ago, people were That's eating right. those sardines. That's right. I feel like anytime you're reading something and it refers to a name being of Grecian origin, yeah. you can know it's old. Absolutely. Because we don't let, especially after the financial debacle, we don't let the Greeks name anything. Not anymore, like, they don't. You can have your old names, keep making the baklava, but yes, beyond yes. that, let's just calm it down over there, Greece. We'll let you know when we want to know. <laughs> Is that too harsh? It's really mean to the Greeks amongst well, us. It was they nearly brought down the whole European <laughs> Union for crying out loud. They in fact inspired Brexit. <laughs> just saying. I'm just saying. I know. Okay. So sardines are closely related to the anchovies that are served with a Caesar salad um, or with the base flavor that we all love and enjoy from the sauce whose name we cannot say. We're Worcestershire. I've gotten made fun of publicly for my inability to say Worcestershire. I say Worcestershire, but I feel like I've left out some letters. Worcestershire. I say it that way just to speed through and move on to the next word. Wait, are you telling me that sardines are the base flavor or anchovies are the base flavor? In the, the anchovies that the sardines are, are related to. Okay. Hey. Yeah. Also, aren't there anchovies in that? Yes. Barbecue yes. concentrate we like. Yes. Woody's. Woody's, which is out of Louisiana, which we thought had gone defunct yeah. in the 2005 hurricane. Mm -hmm. Called Katrina. Called Katrina. Yeah. Um, they didn't disappear. I think they were bought. Some things happened. The recipe was bought. Some things happened. It reshuffled, but it's back. But it still has anchovies. It's been back on the shelf. It does have the, the anchovies. Okay. Um, what do, what's that other thing in there? The... I know exactly. The Mexican, Why did you it's in a pod. Yes. Um, it's like a pasty deliciousness. Shut up. I know what it is. Shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I got to think about it. You keep talking oh about my sardines. Gosh. Well, I'll think of it by the end of this episode. Sardines are one of the main ingredients in gentleman's relish. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, it's not some X-rated thing that fetishists buy on the interwebs. It sounds like a fetish. It does. It does. Okay. But it is a sardine-based spread that is used in many dishes. Right. Um, sometimes even just served on buttered bread. Yeah. So, serve them on a cracker with tomato and avocado. That sounds good, yo. Add them to soups or sandwiches or just eat them straight. And by the way, a lot of fish broths that you would buy to use in cooking are in fact sardine Because based. they're so, mm -hmm. because that's the thing about sardines is they are very fishy yeah. flavored. Yeah. If you don't like a fishy flavor, you're not gonna like a sardine. Probably. Well, but try it. I tried them, I found them to be initially a little Strange, but then I was like, I love these, and I found myself craving them. We have built into us majestically this response when something is non edible, we, yes. we gag. Yeah, try it if you gag it, that's fine. Yeah, get it out, move on. Yeah, maybe you can find yourself instead some gentleman's, gentleman's relish. relish. <laughs> <laughs> that's a horrible name. Oh, I love it. It's real bad. Um, now, one other delicious note okay. is that sardines are too small to be efficiently farmed. Yes. Like we have farmed salmon, farmed whatever. Right. And so that means that when you get them, you are getting a pristine source yes. of vitamin B12, of omega fatty acids. So, hey, come for the health benefits and stay for the flavor. <laughs> Enjoy yourself some sardines. I want to. I need to know more about gentleman's relish. It's something I'm going to have to go on the dark web. Probably so. I would recommend if you're going to order any, do it on a prepaid card. Nothing with our name aligned with it. Yes. I I know that we're monitored by all of the agencies, and I don't want them knowing that we are smugglers of gentleman's relish. We could order it from the same vendor from whom we order mushroom ketchup. How did you know? Because that's the other overseas, interestingly flavored thing that 
that we get. Okay, it's listen, fantastic. I genuinely like people talk about finishing each other's sentences. I cannot believe that you knew I was going to say mushroom ketchup. Of course I did. And for those curious, this is just an extra already in this episode. Yeah. Mushroom ketchup is not ketchup consistency. No. It is, it's like a Worcestershire consistency. Yeah. And mushrooms are used heavily in it. It is a delightful thing. We've used it to make deviled lobster. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> delicious. It's very good. Now. Ooh. Yeah. yeah, I'm now going to shut up because you have a lot of thing, a lot of words to get through here. Buckle it up, everybody. It's time for the story of one of my favorite unresolved mysteries. Yes. On Thanksgiving Eve, 1971, it must have fallen on a November 24th. Yes. And just a few short years before the magic year of 1975 where I graced the earth with my... Presence. Yes. Well, Thanksgiving 1971, a middle-aged man carrying a black attache case. I love that word. I, I know you put it in there on purpose. Well, they, I saw it in the writing and I was like, oh, we're totally going to attache the hell out of this. <laughs> okay, he's carrying a black attache case and he steps up to the Northwest Orient Airlines. Now, we don't say Orient anymore, everybody, in case you didn't know. But in 1971, they did. Uh, the Northwest Orient Airlines counter at Portland International Airport. Here comes yes. Oregon again. It's all over the place. All things fishy, oh. including sardines, oh. originally oh. in Portland. <laughs> um, okay, so he purchased a one-way ticket on flight 305, which was a, just a 30-minute trip north to Seattle. He identified himself at the time as Dan Cooper. Later... Famously known as, say it with me, everybody, you know who it is, D.B. Cooper. Cooper. Which was a media error. And I I know everyone right now is clutching their pearls. What? The media says things that aren't true? Mm. Yeah, they messed it all up. It it was never, they created the D.B. portion of it, and it was too late. That's how people knew it, so that's what stuck. Yeah. Well, so here we go. By the way, if there's any awesomes who are members of the media... And there is one, loosely at least, that I know of who plays a major role. Yes. Um, I'm not so much flinging mud at you as around you. Yeah. The one who I know seems to be a responsible person. Mm -hmm. And so I don't fault her with the errors of her industry. Just like I would hope that people that know me don't fault me with the errors of my industry. You single-handedly caused the 2008 housing and stock market crash. I did. By yourself. Then I fixed it. You were barely licensed. Broke it, fixed it, done. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so anyway, here's D.B. Cooper. Buys a one-way ticket to Seattle. He's a quiet man. He's wearing a business suit with a white shirt and a black tie. He boarded the plane, took his seat in the rear of the passenger cabin, and ordered smartly a, a bourbon and soda. Right on. Excellent, except for the soda. Yeah, exactly. Just go straight <laughs> bourbon. Shortly after takeoff, he handed a note to the flight attendant seated nearest him in a jump seat that was attached to the aft stair door. That's, that's lingo for back door. The butt of the plane? Yeah. Okay. The flight attendant, a one Ms. Florence Schaffner was no stranger to advances made by lonely passengers, especially like looking like a businessman. Yeah, late in the afternoon, mm-hmm. Thanksgiving Eve. Get a little bourbon in you, little Thanksgiving yeah. Eve in you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> little gentleman's relish. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so she's no stranger to advances. <laughs> she assumed... It was his phone number, and she politely set the note aside unopened. Mm-hmm. Now, when Mr. Cooper saw this, he leaned forward toward her and whispered, Miss, you'd better look at that note. I have a bomb. Indeed. After Florence read the note, following Mr. Cooper's instructions, she sat down beside him. He then opened his attache case just just a little bit. Just a quick one a and said, you want to see some gentleman's <laughs> relish? <laughs> Okay, now that's it. You reached the maximum. That's it. No way, man. Yeah, that's the maximum. No way. We've talked about really. this before. The the best of dad jokes are the ones that you beat people into insanity with. Yeah. Okay. 
So he, he gives her a little glimpse inside his attache case. A quick glimpse of an actual bomb was in there, supposedly. Yes, there were... There was a jumble of wires and what looked like several sticks of dynamite. Oh, my. Yeah. On the plane? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because evidently in 1971, you could just get on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> Backpack full of gentleman's relish. Didn't matter. They're like, yeah, come on in. You want some bourbon? Now you can't even get on. You got to take your freaking shoes off in the security. Right? But in those days, in those days, you could carry your dynamite right on the plane in your right attache on, yeah. case. Okay. Well, his demands were, but by the way, this had become a, a hijacking of the plane. Yes. Right? yes. So his demands were $200,000 in negotiable American currency as opposed to non-negotiable. Which is cash. Okay. Four parachutes and a fuel truck standing by in Seattle to refuel the plane upon arrival. So this is, now I didn't sit down and do exact math based on known rates of inflation and all of that, but okay. to equate a little bit, roughly, roughly, you're talking about the number of years that have passed that inflation would have doubled twice. Yeah. And so just loosely, we can call this $800,000 okay. today. Um, doesn't seem like that grand of an ask. It's really not. For the entirety of a plane. I know. And people's lives and stuff. Exactly. Well. Maybe, maybe it was the parachutes that made it seem real. I don't know. Yeah. So those instructions were given <clears throat> to the pilots who in turn contacted Seattle Tacoma Airport. I think they call it SeaTac. Probably. Does that feel right? I. It sounds good to me. All right. Air, airport, uh, air traffic control. And then ultimately they got the local and federal authorities involved. So the 35 passengers who were on the plane were told that arrival in Seattle would be delayed due to a minor mechanical difficulty. The plane then circled for about two hours. Right. Your 30 minute flight just grew. Yeah. And you're impatience is growing as well. It's Thanksgiving Eve. People are trying to get That's home right. to their Thanksgiving. There's not enough bourbon on this plane. That's for sure. Uh, that time allowed Seattle police and the FBI sufficient time to get cash and parachutes ready. So throughout... As, as well, certainly, to gather... I think it gathered emergency personnel and oh, I'm sure all the other right. things that oh, you yes. think of. Yeah, probably uh, preparing for worst-case scenario, but yes. then, you know, trying to... See what they could get worked out. They did not have our boy, uh, Chris. Chris Voss. They did not have Chris Voss on their side. Hostage negotiator. Yeah. They were just trying to muddle through it without Chris Vossing him. Yeah. Um, okay. So throughout it all, Cooper remained calm and polite, which is really not consistent with your sort of stereotypical air pirate. Right. Especially in they, they, the way that this was written in language made it sound like, Air piracy was a, a big thing back then. The, the such... Well, you could get on planes with dynamite. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but of course it yeah. was. They were begging for it, and the, nobody batted an eye at it. Obviously, or they would have changed entry yeah. protocol. But so much so that there were stereotypes. Oh, yeah, this is what the typical pirate acts like. Air pirate. Air pirate. He comes in here with these gentlemen's relish, and he's all hostile. He's all me hearty. Drinking, sharing phone numbers with the flight attendants. He's a real perv. Well, Mr. Cooper was not nervous. He wasn't cruel or nasty to anyone. He was very calm, thoughtful, mannered, polite. He even ordered a second bourbon and soda, and then he paid his drink tab. Paid the drink he's tab. He's like, I got cash coming to me. I'm yeah. going to pay my drink tab. Uh, he later offered to request meals for the flight crew during their stop in Seattle. So the FBI was able to produce 10,000 unmarked $20 bills. That totals 200,000 if you want to yes. do that quick math. Count the zeros, add them, all that. All that. So they did uh, make a microfilm photograph of each bill yes. to track them. Now, they originally offered military-issued parachutes, but Cooper rejected those, asking instead for civilian parachutes with manually operated rip cords. Now this is this is some of the the facts that come into all of the angst of trying to figure out who was this man. Yeah. Military background. Right. Who knows? But he asked for civilian ones. Because he would have been familiar with okay. the fact that the military ones of the day were you you hooked basically the rip cord you hooked onto a, a cable and as you jumped out of the plane it yanked the rip cord so immediately you were floating. 
Okay, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. But apparently Mr. Cooper knew that. Now I say that, that's definitely the older, that's definitely like the World War II version. I don't know by 71 if technology was such that somehow there was a altimeter attached or something at a certain altitude it would automatically deploy. I don't know, but plainly it was not up to the user. Mm -hmm. And that was where he was concerned for whatever reason. He wanted four of them. He wanted four, and I I don't understand that one entirely either. I don't either, but... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Seattle police were able to find and obtain those four civilian parachutes from a local skydiving school. So apparently in 71, skydiving was already a thing. That was a thing. Well, with Cooper's demands met, the aircraft landed at 5.39 p.m. And at Cooper's instruction, the plane taxied to an isolated and brightly lit section of the apron while the flight crew closed all of the window shades. Mr. Cooper was no fool. He was not interested in falling victim to a police sniper. Smart man. Yes. Smart man. With the cash and the parachutes delivered. Cooper ordered everyone except the cockpit crew off of the plane and gave them the instruction to set a southeast course toward Mexico City. He said, you boys like Mexico? You boys like Mexico? <laughs> that is a super troopers reference. Yes. If you know that reference, you are our best friends for life. Um, so they're going to Mexico City. He wanted them to travel at the minimum airspeed possible without stalling the aircraft, which was roughly... 115 miles an hour at an altitude of just 10,000 feet. Mm -hmm. Now, additionally, he insisted that the landing gear remain deployed, the wing flaps be lowered to 15 degrees, and the cabin had to remain unpressurized. This is, again, these are details that just some random civilian would not... No. Exactly. Exactly. Now, one of the pilots did inform him that with these instructions being followed, they would require a refueling stop. We're not making it in Mexico City right. if we're doing all this. So they you boys like Arizona? <laughs> <laughs> they discussed their options and ended up choosing Reno, Nevada. So Cooper originally intended for takeoff to occur with the rear exit door open and the staircase extended during takeoff. Which is possible. Oh, I didn't know that. It is possible. They had a, they had a brief argument about this. He yeah. and whoever was on the ground, they were saying it's unsafe. He's like, it's perfectly safe. Mm. He had some knowledge. It was perfectly safe. Okay. It was fine. It's not ideal, but yes. it's doable. Um, but rather than, than pressing the argument, he's just like, fine. He yeah. decided that was not the hill he was going to die yeah. on in yeah. the midst of all of this. I got my money, just whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, they he opted to close it for takeoff and then decided he's going to open it once airborne. So takeoff occurred at 7.40 p.m. out of SeaTac, right? Out mm -hmm. of Seattle-Tacoma Airport. Out of sight to Cooper, three other planes were scrambled. One that traveled above his plane that he was on, one below, and the last one behind. Now, at 8 o'clock p.m., the entirety of the flight crew was now closed in the cockpit. At his instruction. At his instruction, a warning light flashed indicating that the aft air stair apparatus had been activated. Yes. They, there was a, I'd left out some of this. Mm -hmm. They inquired back if he wanted help. And I think even one of the attendants poked their head out of the cabin and he scolded them and 
made them go back. Okay. They disappeared. Another thing I left out is then at 8.15, mm-hmm. they, something happened where the tail of the plane raised to the point oh. where they had to really fight and adjust to get things leveled back out again. And that, that was the last thing they noticed. Okay. Okay. Well, then at 10.15 p.m., with the air stair still deployed, the plane did land safely at Reno Airport. The FBI, state troopers, and sheriff's deputies, and Reno police quickly determined that Cooper was, guess what, uh, no longer on board. Yes. He was gone, daddy gone. Though they all had assumed that Cooper had, in fact, jumped out, interestingly, none of the escort planes saw it happen, including the one that was flying below them. Right. And there's, you know, they had to be at distances where they couldn't be heard, felt, seen. Okay. Sure. Interesting. It It was dark enough. It was... You know, this is the time of year when it gets dark earlier. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think there was a storm, heavy, heavy cloud cover, things like this. So it's it's not at all unreasonable that they would not have seen. Though it was all, he was also not picked up on radar, and I, I didn't see anything explaining that. Mm-hmm. Well, in the aftermath, the FBI considered more than 800 possible suspects. 800. That's a lot. That's a and lot it, of the number suspects. grew. That was pretty quickly they'd landed, they'd ferreted through 800. As the kids say these days, that's sus. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's a thing. Multiple recreations and experiments were done to try to guesstimate where Cooper could have landed. There were foot searches conducted by FBI agents and over 200 Army soldiers. It was arguably the most extensive and intensive search and recovery operation in U.S. history. And there was no significant material evidence uncovered. Yes. Along with search efforts, the FBI distributed lists of the ransom serial numbers. In early 1972, two men used counterfeit $20 bills printed with Cooper, some of the serial numbers from that money, to swindle $30,000. I love this. From a newspaper reporter in exchange for an interview with a man they claimed was the hijacker. They were fibbing, as we say. Yes, They stretched the truth. They did. Now, finally, finally, in July of 2016, a mere four years ago, the FBI announced that it was suspending active investigation of the Cooper case. Over the 45-year course of the investigation, they had compiled... 60 volumes of case files. Now, if you so desire, if your tickler is tickled by this story and you want to go find out more, you can go to, guess what? That comprehensive FBI website. They have a whole team of FBI agents who do nothing but keep their website up to date. With the Freedom of Information stuff, which I believe somebody... Somebody actually either threatened or followed through with suing to get the information released. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because that's how freedom the information is. That's how free we are. And view a, uh, you can go to the FBI website, you can view a 28-part packet full of evidence gathered through the years. Among the evidence that has been found, this is very fascinating. In November of 78, a placard that was printed with the instructions for how to lower those aft stairs of a 727 was found by a deer hunter near a logging road east of Castle Rock, Washington. This was within the parameters of where the plane flew and where he could have landed. Yep. In February of 1980, so fast forward a number of years, on the Columbia River downstream from Vancouver, Washington, an eight-year-old boy was raking the riverbank to build a campfire. I want you to pause and consider our almost eight-year-old son's building a campfire on a riverbank. Yeah, How well, he wouldn't by that? himself. He wouldn't by himself. His family was vacationing there. Okay. And I don't feel good about it either way, other than maybe, <laughs> maybe in fact, it was just the boy thought that's what he was raking it for. But in reality, his parents were like, hey, go <laughs> go rake the bank rake. and we'll play with fire. And no, he's, he's, we can see him. He's raking the bank. It's okay. Keep him busy for a little bit. Yeah. Well, he unearthed three packets of $20 bills. Tell me how many were in each packet. So there were 100 bills put into each packet by okay. the FBI. Okay. Of these three packets that were that were found, badly disintegrated but whole enough to match serial numbers, two of the packets were complete. Mm-hmm. One of the packets had 10 bills missing. And as I understand it from what I read, 
the place where this was found was not within the vicinity of where he could have landed. Okay. A whole other slew of potential explanations as to how it got there. But this oddity of ten bills missing, mm-hmm. that brings its own quite... It's not like, you know, mid-drop from the plane. He's like, you know, I think I could use 200 in my pocket. As he's skydiving to right, the ground. Right. Yes. Okay. Well, to date, none of the remaining 9710 $20 bills have ever turned up. That's right. Every new piece of evidence only serves to raise more questions than answers. Now, through the years, there have been tons of people who have claimed to be D.B. Yes. Cooper. Lifetime as well as deathbed declarations. I am D.B. Cooper. Yep. And tons who were accused by others of being him. So maybe one was, maybe not. Cooper's hijacking, however, did inspire a whole slew of copycats, 15 of them in 1972 alone. <laughs> right? That's more than one a month. More than year. one a month. You guys have got to get the dynamite off of the airplane. Every, people use different things. It wasn't all dynamite. Okay. Well, there's that. But one guy did bring a Tommy gun or a machine gun of some Are kind. Are you even serious? I'm even serious, yes. Well, these people managed to hijack a plane, get ransom money, and parachutes, but none were uh, successful. In they the, didn't ultimately escape. Yeah, the, the not getting pop, caught. Right. Out. I think one of the closest ones, the guy had parachuted safely to the ground, and they found him like a day or so later because they'd had a tracking device in the parachute, and they got to that point and then followed his blood and mud footsteps through the snow. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. Right? You know... I mean, I, I sort of want to knock on wood when I say this, but plane hijackings used to happen a lot. You don't really hear about that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. obviously there's significant events like 9-11, but sure. in the 70s, it seems like there was, there was this right. was not an unusual right. thing. The fear of flying was not unjustified. Right, exactly. So what do you think? Do you think he survived? You know, I hope he did. I hope he did. Not because I love criminality, but because this man has provided decades of entertainment to millions of people and to never be caught. He he deserves to have survived rather than somehow perishing in the event and never being found. He deserves to have survived. Do you think then that he either went north to Canada or south to Mexico? Like, how could those... Yeah, yeah, so... How could that cash never have turned up in circulation? That's a great question, and I don't have the exact answer to that. My assumption would be, you know, if we're all trying to live the the movie-reproduced version of a successful heist... Yeah. ...is that he didn't spend it right away. Yeah. Many of the suspects... Uh, because the FBI, they're... They're not ignorant. Yeah. They have protocols they follow, things that are good things to look for. They immediately began to examine missing persons, somebody who didn't show up when they mm. should have. And so the real suspicion was that if, in fact, he did live in all of that, is that he landed somehow, some way, got back to where he was supposed to be. He had a four-day weekend to get it done. Right. And that he'd made it back to work on Monday morning so that nobody was the wiser. But what did he do with the money? Just like, I mean, I guess I don't understand how often serial numbers would be checked on a yeah, $20 bill. I don't know either. And certainly there's opportunities to, and and I think more so back then than now even, to, you know, hop on a plane and go to a place with less strict banking regulations and exchange rules and all of that. Um, some, of the, some of those that have been questionable, maybe they were, maybe they weren't him, um, was... You know, they had a boatload of money that they bought something in cash for, like a piece of property, or they had a safety deposit box with money that had been converted to gems or metals or different things. There, there's ways. Even okay. today, I would think, theoretically, there's ways. Okay. Which is why I'm going to grab my backpack full of gentleman's relish and hop on the next plane out of Seattle. Or into Seattle. Here we go. Well, you should know before you do that, that he has been memorialized yes. through the creation of what's known as the Cooper Vane, which is a device that the FAA required all Boeing 727s, those aircrafts to be fitted with, which prevents lowering the aft air stairs during flight. So if yes. you are going to do this, you're going to have to have a little workaround for the Cooper Vane. 
So that was a real journey. Thank Indeed. you for sharing all of that with us. Today. I think so I think I probably one of the, the most beautiful things to take from this, if you have any any vein of illegal behavior in you, yeah, and evidenced by the fifteen failures of seventeen nineteen seventy two rather, yeah, is that those who succeed, they're the pioneers. You got to be the first one. Man. Come up with your own way. There, you got to be the first one. Yeah, there's no rules in place already to prevent you from doing something new. It's only what you're trying to repeat. Right. We didn't have to take our shoes off until somebody tried to get bombs aboard via shoes. That's right. All right. So, Here we go. There that is. Well, 1997, not nearly so long, but certainly still wordy. 1997, in response to a rapid drop in the stock market, the circuit breaker rule is invoked, putting a halt to trading. What is this, you might ask? Well, I mean, I know, but I want you to tell us. You know because I already told you. Yes. So going back to October 19th of 1987, this was the Black Monday crash, and I'm confident that we talked about this, in fact, on the October 19th episode. Mm -hmm. um, during that day's trading session, the Dow Jones Industrial Average fell by 22%. If you wore pants, you crapped them. Mm -hmm. Yes. It was, it was a pretty stressful day. Yes. Now, just besides that being interesting by itself and that being a reason which it was for the establishment of circuit breakers. Yeah. This is also somewhat timely because the circuit breaker was recently invoked Ooh. in the early minutes of trading on March 9th of this year. Whatever was happening on March 9th yes. of 2020. COVID, you may say. Yes. It affects many things, not just your freedom to walk around without a face covering. Mm -hmm. um, so the current rule for the circuit breaker, and I believe we only tripped level one, though we might have tripped level two as well. I cannot recall. Um, but the current rule is it does have three levels. At level one, a drop of 7% from the prior day's closing okay. price. Mm -hmm. This halts trading for 15 minutes. Alrighty. It resumes. A level two would be triggered if it then reaches 13% down from the prior close, and okay. you'd have another 15-minute halt. All right. At which then point in time it would resume, and if, in fact, you reach a 20% drop, from the prior day's closed, then that triggers a halt of trading for the remainder of the day. The next day, opening back up, all new again. So basically, they're like, nope, shut it down. Yep. You guys can't play anymore. You're getting crazy in here. You've been hitting the Coke in the bathroom a little too hard. That early in the day? I don't know. Like, yes. Um, okay. Well, the, the offered consideration is that these halts are a way to pause, allowing people to calm down, catch their breath, and hopefully stabilize the markets. And that sounds all good and fine until you hear from our good friend, Mason Garrity, professor, <clears throat> excuse me, professor emeritus at Northern Arizona University and former research economist at the Securities and Exchange Commission. The SEC is one of the major regulatory bodies. Mm -hmm. Well, our friend is quoted as saying, people who do this for a living I've never met one who felt like they needed to catch their breath. They have good lungs, and they're used to stress. I would agree with that statement. As would I, as would every other responsible professional in this field agree with. Mm -hmm. um, and nobody really looks favorably upon a regulatory body's attempt to protect us from ourselves. Right. It's a profession here. Yes. Um, the people who are aided, this is the part that's icky to me. The people who are aided, really, by the circuit breakers are the bad behaviors out there. They are the people who ignorantly or willfully take on excessive amounts of risk yeah. in pursuit of outsized gains. It leaves them exposed. The circuit breakers are unnatural. They prevent bad from being punished. And arguably, more importantly, they, they prevent good from being rewarded. Mm-hmm. They keep charlatans in business for longer so that when they do finally blow up, which is actually an industry term, yeah. they wreck the lives of far more people than had natural selection been allowed to take them out. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm. Not tremendously awesome, but you, you take what you can get, right? You do take what you can get. In 2012, we all took what we could get. You're dang right we did. When a new music video beat out Justin Bieber's Baby to become the most viewed YouTube video of all time. The, is that the vote? 
the VOAT, the video <laughs> of all time. Yes. Gavote, something there. That's right. The song, the video, it is for Gangnam Style. Of course it is. Yep. It is a great video. Even if you've fatigued with the song, uh -huh. it's a fascinating video. Creepy in some ways. Very. I've got an update for you. The, uh, the ingredient that we were thinking of that goes into... Yes. Uh, Woody's and other things. Uh, many, many barbecue sauces. Are you ready? Yes. Tamarind. Thank you. Tamarind. Yes. Yes. I did it. If you have a good, uh, a good grocery store with stuff from other countries, odds are you can even find some tamarind. We did before we Woody's did. was reinstated. We found it. Yeah. The tamarind. We were convicted and committed to finding our own reproduction of it. We failed miserably, was, thankfully. It was not Woody's good. came back. It was not good. <laughs> it was not good. Tamarind, though, if you buy the uh, some of the soda pops from Haritos. Mexico, Haritos, yes. you have tamarind yes. as a flavor. It's a very tasty soda. It is good. It is. Yeah. It doesn't taste like barbecue sauce at all. I can mm -mm. assure you of that. No, no. It's not the, the barbecue-y portion <laughs> of the flavor. No, no. Although... There's probably people that would drink a barbecue sauce soda. <laughs> Confident. I and will they say live in Texas. Yes, I will say this. I can't say it for barbecue. I can say it for hot sauce. So back when I was uh, doing my little deep dive into distilling, yes, I found a cat on YouTube who just everything you can imagine he would make wine and or moonshine out of. Remember that one can create the other through distillation. Yes, um, and he made. Taco Bell hot sauce wine. Oh my gosh. He's, was this the same cat that did the cotton candy yes, wine? Yes, which the cotton candy wine he swore up and down was fantastic, as did his co-taste tester as did his children, slash cameraman. And his children. He didn't force anybody. Um, <laughs> but they all, his, I believe, and I hope I'm not misquoting him, I believe he said that the Taco Bell hot sauce wine tasted like, quote, ass. So... <laughs> If you're going to be brewing anything of your own, just file that little That's nugget of wisdom away. to no one. Yes. All right, here we are. It's time. To whirl. Watch, read, listen, lifestyle. You're still not doing it. You're still not getting the really dramatic pause in there and then really accentuating the style. <laughs> but we'll get you there. I'll keep producing you until you fire me. Okay. Well, if you're going to watch something... What could you watch? Well, you could watch or listen to Gangnam Style. You could. And it's still on the YouTube, It of is forever. Once it's digital, it never dies. That's what they say. That's a proverb. Yes. From the Bible. We don't believe in reading, so there's nothing to read. If you wanted to read something, you could go read the recipe for Gentleman's Relish. That's true. And I might. We might make some Gentleman's Relish. I feel in the like appropriate it's way. inevitable at this point. We have to. Yeah. Or we'll buy some. One of the two. Yeah. If you're going to listen to something, may I recommend a podcast episode? Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'm here to recommend an entire podcast. Today it is an episode of a very longtime favorite of mine. It's a Gimlet production called Heavyweight. Um, in Heavyweight, host Jonathan Goldstein, um, I think that's his last name, Goldstein, Goldstein, uh, takes the, the concept for the show is there's something that happened in a person's past and it causes sadness, regret, doubt, question marks. And it weighs on them in a okay. heavy in way. A heavy way. And he helps them untangle what's happened. Okay. Now, he's funny. The show isn't as heavy as you would think with a concept like that. He's funny, but also... He loves to help you laugh at other people's pain? Yes. Okay. Many, many, many of these episodes have ended up making me a little teary-eyed because really profound things happen. Well, I'm here to tell you... Episode 34 of Heavyweight is called Annie. And this is super interesting because in this episode, Jonathan tasks his producer, uh, Khalila Holt, to go and do his work for him. Oh. The Annie of the story, she has been sort of like mad and puzzled by her family who've been getting together in Seattle, of all places. Do all roads lead all to Seattle? All roads lead to Seattle. It's a geographical oddity. <laughs> Two weeks from Two everywhere. Two weeks from everywhere. Um, she and her family live in Seattle, but there's a, an extended part of their family that come into Seattle all the time, and they go and do things. They go to breakfast together. They travel together, and they consistently leave Annie out. And hmm. Annie wants to know, why are you doing this? What have I done? What has happened? 
And so Annie is a very brash, confrontational, loud person. Kalila, the producer, is more like me, doesn't enjoy a confrontation. So the episode is very fascinating in the way that it plays out. But to hear Kalila take this on as uh, her project is very satisfying to listen to. And I highly recommend that episode. Excellent. For lifestyle, do you want to take this or do you want to hide your head in shame and have me tell it? It's your choice. I'm going to hide my head in shame. Okay. You will be no shame more gracious to me, I think, than I would No be. shame necessary. Okay. Um, regular listeners will know we suffered a almost two-week power outage here. I don't have any problem rounding that up to two weeks. I mean, I'm calling it two weeks. Yeah. Well, we knew that we have a freezer in the basement. Chest freezer. Chest freezer that had food in it and whatnot. And that very shortly after the power went out, due to ice, that the temperatures warmed and that that was becoming its own little biology project. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When the power came back on, I mean, we were, we were dealing with a lot of other mayhem. That basement freezer was the last of our concerns. Right. We plugged it back in to let it freeze so that it wouldn't be nearly as putrid, hopefully, by the time we could get to it. And a couple days ago... Things settling into place, all of that. We decided it's time to unplug, mm -hmm. let it thaw, and get down there and get that filth out of there. Yeah. That happened today. It was real nasty. It was prolific. It really was. Mm. The smell traveled multiple stories. It filled our very house. It filled our home. From the, from the dungeon of the basement to yes. the rafters of the attic yes. was the smell of putridness. All wildlife fled from our home in every imaginable direction, every possible direction, perhaps even taking on a fourth dimension. Everything <laughs> left except the humans who, the dumb humans who live here. Yeah. That's not the lifestyle recommendation. No, don't do don't that. Don't do that. Don't do it. The lifestyle recommendation, the savior of the day, we have talked about it before, was the Lamberger. Yes. This thing that gets the ick out of the air. It really does. It does. We ran it once. Twice. Twice. We ran it twice, three times a lady. <laughs> Just ran it twice, which normally you'd run it once for this square footage. We ran it twice and... <laughs> The air is pure. It really did purify the air. I couldn't, it smelled so bad in here. And at the same time, I knew that burning a candle or even yeah. like trying to spray some kind of, we don't even have life sprays. But that's a co-stink. Yeah. It doesn't get rid of anything. Exactly. I knew that that was not going to cut it. The Lambertier genuinely takes the air and like somehow magically, yep. thank you, Mr. Berger. Yes. You purified our air for us today. I've never been so grateful for uh, an item that you just by chance, by sheer... I was directed to it. Uh -huh. I really was. I believe divinely so. Yes, it worked out great for us. Okay, finish okay. us out here. Well, if you just want to whirl all at once, literally all at once, go to Wikipedia. Do a search for D.B. Cooper in popular culture. The entire phrase, D.B. Cooper in popular culture. It will pull up a page that shows you novels, comics, films, television shows, music, and even celebrations that abound. You might learn more about or might just simply laugh about D.B. Cooper. It is incredible, all of the resources there. And then you have even one more. Well, you can certainly type D.B. Cooper into your favorite podcast machine, uh, your favorite podcast app, because many podcasts have done singular episodes mm -hmm. or, you know, a couple of episodes in a series to talk about D.B. Cooper's story. However, I did find that there is one called The Cooper Vortex, which is an entire podcast dedicated to the mystery of D.B. Cooper, looking at all different aspects of his life, his story, he, that, I just kind of skimmed through the episode list. Mm -hmm. It looks like the host brings in experts to speak to different parts of the story. So if you really want to travel down that D.B. Cooper uh, 
rabbit hole, the Cooper Vortex looks like they'll guide you on the way. Well, and I'll throw then in just even one more tidbit. Okay. Because I noticed all the way through this, you were saying he and his and him using these masculine pronouns. Indeed. There is one, at least temporarily claimed D.B. Cooper that was a woman. Okay. Claiming that she did all of this disguised as a man and it was for a reason. Um, it's for worth looking reason. into. It's for a reason. And that it was ultimately when she found out that in fact the statute of limitations had been extended and not expired that she recanted. Uh-huh. But it could still be true. Who knows? Could be true. So don't, don't just flip all this on yeah. a gentleman with relish. It could be a woman as well. All right. You did it. You took it all the way through. I did. It was a lot of work. A lot of work. <laughs> Not done. I'll do some more off camera just for you. Just for me. In the meantime, have an awesome today, would you? Please do. Bye-bye. Bye. Have a better holiday season by including Gentleman's Relish. You can order it on Amazon, but do expect shipping to be almost twice the cost of the relish. Also, despite original research, it does appear that rather than sardines, it is more commonly made with anchovies. Find Awesome Today and Sorta Awesome Media on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and literally everywhere podcasts are found. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.